You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Jesus said these words immediately after his last supper with the disciples and Judas had already left to betray him. Jesus knew that he was on a countdown to the cross. And so these words that we just read are really his final words specifically spoken to his followers. Jesus said what was most pressing on his heart, knowing that he was leaving this earth in a short time, he wanted to share what was most pressing on his heart as he was preparing to leave this world. And what was it? that lay so heavily on his heart, Jesus' prime concern was that we as believers would love one another as he has loved us. But friends, that's a tall order, is it not? I mean, Jesus really set the bar high when he told us to love one another. He didn't say like one another. That might be possible. He didn't say tolerate one another. He didn't even say love one another in the way that the world shows love. He said, love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. So friends, I think that if we were to look at this passage of scripture that we read, John 13, verse 34 and 35, and segment it, I would segment it as something like this. What Jesus is saying here, what Jesus is giving us here is a new commandment for a new commitment to a new calling. And that's what I want to cover today in the words of Christ here in John chapter 13. A new commandment for a new commitment to a new calling. Now, let's first of all consider a new commandment. Jesus said a new commandment. I give to you. A new commandment I give to you. Now, in the Greek, there are different words for new. And the two primary words that are used in the New Testament for new are the word neos and kainos. Now, we need to understand what Jesus was saying when he said, I give you a new commandment, because the word neos in the Greek refers to something that is new chronologically. In other words, if you bought a brand new car, no previous owners, I mean, it was right off the line. It just, you know, it was just released. It's brand spanking new. That's Neos. It was newly made. It's new chronologically. But then there's the word Kainos. And the word Kainos doesn't mean new chronologically necessarily. It means new in terms of quality. It means new in terms of freshness. Let me give you an example. You've seen those laundry commercials, uh, the, those detergent commercials where it says, you know, Tide, all new Tide, all new Tide pods. Don't eat them. <laughs> new formula. Well, it's still detergent, right? They've tried to freshen it up. Maybe they've added something to it. I don't know. Most of the time, I think they just kind of just give it a new packaging, 
But it's, it's supposed to be new and fresh. And when Jesus says here in John chapter 13, when he uses the word a new commandment, he's using the word kainos. In other words, Jesus is not issuing a new commandment that had never been given before. Because we know that there was, there were commandments in the Old Testament to love one another. He is not talking about neos. He's talking about kainos. So it's not a brand new concept. The Old Testament contains many commandments to love others and uh, many examples of the necessity of loving others. Jesus even referred to the Old Testament in Matthew chapter 22 when some of the Pharisees wanted to trick Jesus and they approached him and they said, which is the greatest commandment? What did Jesus do? He quoted straight from the Shema uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Old Testament, and he said this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Commandment. You see, so it had been commanded before. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Just a sidebar here. Isn't it true that if we would just do these two things in the world today, the world would be a much better place? Perhaps there wouldn't be wars. Perhaps there wouldn't be so much uh, animosity in the world today. If we would only just love God with all our mind and heart and soul, if only we would love other people as much as we love ourselves, so many of our problems would simply fade away. But we have to be reminded of this even as believers because we as believers sometimes forget how to love not too long ago, I had to put this principle into practice in my own life. Um, I was uh, on Facebook, and a friend of mine on Facebook had, uh, had posted this theological statement that I very much disagreed with. <laughs> Have you ever had that? Have you ever had somebody post something that you thought, this is not right? So what did I do? Instead of lovingly uh, calling him or messaging him, I just came up with a bombardment of uh, biblical arguments to show that he was wrong. And I posted it right there in public. You know, I said, man, what are you talking about? Boom, 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 boom. And I bombarded him with scriptures. And, of course, that did not really help our relationship. And I found out later, um, just a few days later, that he was quite upset. And he finally reached out to me and he said, you know, you really embarrassed me, uh, and I thought about that, and it really, it cut me to the quick, because I thought, you know, even though I feel like I was right, or rather I felt like I was approaching from a biblical standpoint, I shouldn't have done it like that. And I apologized to him. I said, I am sorry. You are my brother in Christ. I should have just talked to you privately. I just saw this public thing. But folks, isn't it true that social media has become a battleground isn't it true that even Christians, I've seen a lot of Christians tearing each other apart, sometimes over stupid things, over things that are not at all important. We need to remember to love one another. So Jesus, knowing this, knowing the importance of love between believers, is really just reissuing 
an old edict. It's not really a new commandment. It, it had been given before, but it's his new and improved formula. He's reissuing it as of prime importance. He is restating that love is the most important element in the family of God. And that's why he says a new commandment I give to you. A new commandment. It's law. It's not a suggestion. It's law. Obedience is not an option. You know when God's people do not love one another, that they are breaking God's law? When God's people do not love one another and they show animosity or hatred towards one another, they are breaking a command that was given by Jesus himself. Now, the plus life guideline that Pastor Ian shared with me in terms of loving the church and loving one another, this guideline, as I was looking at it, it is, it is very right in insisting that, and I quote, listen to this, Members are expected to labor with a heart of love, care, and unity within the fellowship of the saints by not causing confusion, disruption, or distrust, but by honoring one another and mutually overseeing one another. They are to serve wholeheartedly to meet the aim and objective of the church. Well, someone might say, you can't enforce love in the church. You can't force people to love one another. It can't be enforced. No, it can't be enforced, but it can be expected. And it ought to be expected. We ought to expect to be a church where we love one another. Because love is the adhesive. It's the glue that keeps God's people together. There's a traditional story about the Apostle John, that when he was very, very old, the disciples, some of his disciples, some of his uh, followers would carry him around from place to place in his final days, and, and he would have words to say, he would preach little sermons from place to place, and, and as they would take him from church to church, gathering to gathering, John apparently would always end his message with this statement. He would always say, as you can find also in the scriptures, little children love one another. Little children love one another. Well, one of his disciples apparently got tired or didn't like the fact that he was always saying the same thing, this repeated phrase. And so he said to him, he, he approached John and he said, why do you always say that? Little children love one another. And this was John's reply. Because it is the Lord's commandment. And if it alone be kept, it is sufficient. The Lord commanded us to love one another. That should be enough. But may I remind you that it is sufficient. Maybe the Beatles did get it right. All you need is love. But not the world's kind of love. God's kind of love in his church. It's sufficient to keep us together. And so, Jesus gave a new commandment for a new commitment. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you what? Love one another. 
By the way, did you notice in our text that uh, um, Jesus repeats the phrase, love one another, three times? Three times in two verses. He says, a new commandment, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Three times he says, love one another. Another, do you think that Jesus is trying to get something across here? Hmm, I wonder what he could be trying to say. Could it be love one another? Three times he says it. Jesus is commanding us to be committed to loving one another. And what a testimony it is when God's people can purposely and passionately love one another. Did you notice that Jesus says in this passage, while he does not say, by this shall all men know you are my disciples, if you are doctrinally sound. Hey, doctrinal soundness is important. Uh, uh, Theology is important. But Jesus didn't say, everybody will know who you are by your theology, did he? He did not say, by this, by your cool worship style, shall everybody know you're my disciples. Now, um, I love the worship here, plus life. Every time I come here, it's very refreshing. And, uh, of course, we know that the prime thing is to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. But Jesus did not say, by your worship style, everybody will know you're my disciples. He didn't say, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have good preachers. I hope you like the preaching here. Do you, do you guys love Pastor Ian's preaching and the others, the elders that preach here? Do you? Yeah? Good. Because I helped him write sermons. <laughs> Before he went to seminar, seminary, I, uh, I, I taught him how to write sermons. So I'm glad to hear that. But Jesus did not say uh, good preaching is by how the world will know that you're my disciples. He didn't say good programs are the thing. He didn't say advertising is the thing. He didn't say a prime location is the thing. He did not say by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have super organizational skills. What did he say, my friends? He said, if you have love for one another. That's how they will know. They shall know. They will know. There's that old chorus. They will know we are Christians by our love. The ancient church father, Tertullian, once wrote that the government of Rome during his time was so disturbed by the growth of the church that they started sending spies into local gatherings, into local assemblies. And... uh, Some of these spies brought back this report. According to Tertullian, the spies that went into the churches came back and they said this. They wrote this down in their ledgers. These Christians are very strange people. (laughs) They speak of one by the name of Jesus who is absent, but whom they seem to be expecting at any time. And oh, how they love him. And get this. And how they love one another. What if spies were sent into this local community here? Hey, you, are you a spy? You're a spy, aren't you? 
What, what would be the report if somebody, if there were spies sent into Plus Life to bring back a report, would they say, oh, those people love one another so much? I would hope so. Being committed to one another in a loving church means that regardless of whatever limitations we may face, despite the fact that we live in a society that is increasingly less inclined to, to show favoritism towards Christians, uh, our society is turning its back on godly values, despite the fact that, you know, Plus Life does not own its own building and you do not have perhaps all of the resources that a mega church might have, despite any limitations you may think of, if you have love, my friends, that's enough. That will win the day. That will do the job. That will attract people when they see how much you love one another. They will know that you're Christians. They will know that you have something different than this world has to offer. Love will win the day. I mean, think about it. Have you ever been in a place where you could tell people weren't getting along? (laughs) Oh, I don't want to bring back any bad memories here, but maybe you've been in some places where people were fighting, maybe in the family. You know, in terms of church, listen, folks, I've been around the block a few times. I've been, I've traveled all over the United States. I've preached all over the place and I've seen some churches. Man, I've been in some churches that were so cold, they were colder than a morgue. They might as well have been dead as as the way they treated each other. I remember one time I was asked to actually preach uh, in the South. They have uh, what they call revivals, you know, where they, they want to get everybody uh, on the same page and fired up for the Lord. And and uh, I didn't know this, but the, the night before I was scheduled to preach, the church got into a huge fight and the pastor resigned. And then here I'm preaching to them and they're like, revive us. <laughs> I told them, I'm not the reviver. Jesus is. But man, awkward. It was awkward. Because people weren't talking to each other. They were just snubbing each other. I really, maybe, I mean, I think the Lord did something by the time it was over. But wow. A new commandment Jesus gives us. A new commandment. Not something that has never been said before or done before. But with new zest, with new zeal, with new desperation even, Jesus is saying, you got to love one another. That's his new commandment for a new commitment, that we be committed to loving one another, that we will see that this is an obligation. We are obligated in the church. Of course, it's not much of an obligation when you truly love people, right? You don't have to really work at it. If you really love somebody, you don't really have to work at it. It just comes naturally. And then Jesus talks about not just a new commandment with a new commitment, but to a new calling. To a new calling. He says that we are to love one another as I have loved you. And as I said, this is where Jesus totally raises the bar. As I have loved you you. What does that mean? What does it mean when Jesus says, I want you to love one another just as much as I have loved you? Well, this is where I break open the Greek. 
And uh, you know there are many words for love in the Greek. I've always thought the English language, by the way, is very strange because we say love for everything, you know. I love nachos. I love my cat. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my car. You know, we just say love, 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 and it, and you just have to really kind of understand maybe there's a priority there. But in the Greek, they were very specific about stuff. That's why I love studying New Testament Greek, because they were very specific with their words, more so than us. And they had different words for different types of love. And I think there were seven different words in the Greek for love, but the four main ones were as follows. There was the word storge. Storge love is family love. It's love that comes easily between family. Uh, it's affection in the family. Storge love is the reason why every single parent in this world, when their babies are born, believe that those babies are the most beautiful creations God has ever made. That might not be true from my perspective. <laughs> but, because it comes naturally. You naturally love your children. That's storge. Then uh, there's philea love. Philea love, or phileo love, is brotherly love. Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Phileo, phila, or philea, means brotherly camaraderie. You know, like, hey, bruh. That kind of, you get along with your bruh. (laughs) See, I'm so old, we used to say bro. And I was saying that uh, the other day, and my wife, I was saying, hey, bro, and Pam says, it's not bro anymore, it's bruh. (laughs) Okay, bruh. But that's when you get along with people, uh, you have camaraderie. You like the same things. You like football, you go to football games together, you like hockey or whatever. You like the maple leaves. Oops, sorry to bring up that sore point. But anyway, that's brotherly love. And then there's eros. I'll start blushing if I talk too much about this one, but that's spousal, intimate love between a man and wife. Erotic comes from the word eros. And then there's this word agape. Agape, or some say agape, is divine love. Now, the love that Jesus mentions here, when he says that we are to love one another as he has loved us, guess what kind of love Jesus says we need to have? And guess what kind of love Jesus says that he has for us? Not storge, not phileo, but agape, agape. And agape is the highest form of love. It's transcendent. It's, it's almost, it's almost difficult to understand because it is, God is the source of this kind of love. This kind of love is not based upon feelings or emotions. It's, it's based upon volition or decision. It's not based upon reciprocation. You know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. No, you can actually love somebody and not be loved back with this kind of love. It's the highest form of love. It's supreme love. It's John 3.16 kind of love. You know that, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved us so much 
that even though we were sinning against him, in fact, the Apostle Paul says God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, this is the kind of love that nailed Jesus to the cross. Can you imagine dying for people that are blaspheming you and cursing you and will not accept you? Jesus was nailed to that cross because of his love. So it's sacrificial love. This is the kind of love that Jesus says we have to have. He says, agape love one another. Sacrificially love one another, even as I have loved you. Jesus was willing to die for us. Would you be willing to die for another person in Plus Life Church? Let's hope it never comes to that decision, but would you? You know, people talk about love all the time, and even people that are comrades and good buddies, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to sacrifice themselves for the other. I heard the story about two buddies, John and Joe. They're out hiking, and as they're hiking out in the woods, they come across a grizzly bear. And John immediately starts running. He just takes off and starts running. And Joe calls out to him, John, are you crazy? You can't outrun a grizzly bear. And John says, I don't have to. I just have to outrun you. Hmm. (laughs) Doesn't sound like John uh, has that agape love for his buddy. Would you give your life for another person? That's the caliber of the type of love Jesus is talking about here. The Apostle John admonishes us in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does does not love does not know God, for God is love. Love is the very personification of God. It's the very embodiment of who God is. And if we can't love one another, John says very bluntly, then you're not of God. Wow. And so we look at this passage of scripture, this, these couple of verses, and we discover that there is a new commandment from Jesus for a new commitment to a new calling. We are called... Ecclesia, we are the called out ones, and we are called out to live like Jesus. We are to be Christians, that means like Christ. We are to walk like him, talk like him, be like him. And that new calling means that we live by the code of love. We live by the code of love. You know, all of us need love. We all crave love, do we not? And we have the ability as God's people to get love at the very source, to get the love of God. We can love God because he first loved us, and we can love other people because we've experienced the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts. Loving one another with agape love makes all the difference in the world. I once read, uh, someone wrote this on their blog, and I thought it was very clever, but very true. They said, you'll never hear anyone say I left the church because they loved me too much. 
Hey, Joe, why aren't you going to church anymore? Ah, they love me too much. Too much love there. They just, they just smother me. No, everybody, we want love. We crave it. We can't live without it. The only problem is, um, and this world is looking for love, by the way. But they're looking for it in all the wrong places. It saddens me that how, how out of touch this world is on the subject of love. They have, this world has no clue. No clue about real love. We're being told that love is gratification. We're being taught that uh, by the world that love is getting what you want out of a relationship or out of something or someone else. We're being told that love is some sappy, mushy, emotional, tingly feeling. We're being told that love is an accident. Oh, I fell into love. I fell in love. Oh, wow. It's like an accident. And much worse than that, Hollywood is telling us that love equals sex. Right? Every time you're watching a movie... Guy meets girl, chemistry, next thing you know, they're jumping into bed. Love equals sex. The world has got it all wrong. They're clueless. But we're not. Because if we're born again, the love of God has been shed into our hearts. It's been poured out into our hearts. And now we can not only understand love, but we can actually practice it. We need to show the world what real love looks like. We need to demonstrate to this world what real love is all about. And we need to show them that as the Apostle Paul says, love is the greatest gift that God has given to his people. It's the greatest gift he's given to his church. I'll close with this verse. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is, everybody say it, love. The greatest gift that God has given his church is love. By this shall everyone know you belong to me if you have love one for another. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. As I close, I just want to throw out a couple thoughts here before we have another worship song. Are you searching for love? Are you looking for real love? God is the source of that love. Jesus showed his love for you for dying on the cross. And maybe there's somebody here in our midst that you've never really thought much about. You know, you... you, Well, there's some guy a couple thousand years ago that was nailed to a cross. What does it have to do with me? It has everything to do with you because he died for you. He loves you that much. And maybe before you leave this building today, if you've never turned your life and heart over to Christ, to Jesus, you can embrace the one who's ready to embrace you. He already paid for your sin on the cross. He paid for my sin on the cross. And you can learn to love him by inviting him into your life. There might be others here that you've been visiting uh, Plus Life Church. And God's laying it on your heart to become a member of this body. You'd like to become part of it because you want to show your love so much. You know, 
I have a ring on my finger, and uh, many, many years ago, I stood be- before a minister with Pam and beside me, and I said, I do. I made a commitment to her because I loved her. And now we've been married over 35 years. 30, 37 years. Well, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, it's just so much fun being married to her that I lose track of time. <laughs> but when you love, you make a commitment. Would you make a commitment to this body, to this church? If God lays it on your heart, if you want to be part of a, a group that loves, you know, uh, this church has a theme of uh, loving God and loving others. I saw it on your website. Loving God, loving people. Sounds like a great, great church. If you put that into practice, make a commitment to it. Father God, I just thank you so much for your Uh, word that teaches us what real love is through Jesus and his admonition, his commandment to us to love one another as he loved us. May love win the day. May your love prevail in our hearts because you deserve our love in return for the great love you displayed on the cross for us. And I pray in the matchless powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.